everyone says, you know, happiness is this state of mind. I'm like, no, it's not. It's an emotional structure. It has nothing to do with your freaking mind. But two, to make someone happy imposes the ideology that you have that much control over somebody else. You don't. You, nobody does. Heck, most people can't even make themselves happy, much less you do to somebody else. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory MD. See you there. Here. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Tribe. It's Dr. G, and we are back for another exciting episode of Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Today, we have Dr. Travis Fox, and he's going to tell you all about himself and what he is up to. Take it away. Uh, I'm up to about six foot two now, uh, about f- 51 years old. And uh, what am I? <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Just have some fun with it, right? Because everyone's like, well, tell your story. <laughs> Let's have some more fun. Um, uh, the answer to your, your question is thank you, first of all, doctor, let me be on the show. And secondly, uh, it's a really kind of a, a snapshot story because 51 years, heck, we'd be here all day, all night. Uh, the snapshot is uh, I was born in Phoenix, but I was raised in Japan and Germany for about the first 10 years of my life. And a brief stopover in, in Florida on the way between those two countries, my father put a golf club in my hand and that was it. And, uh, pretty much from that moment on, uh, you know, my path was laid out for me by my father. I was supposed to be a PGA Tour professional golfer. My, my whole high school career was focused on that. I was ready to go to university on that, played summer golf while my friends were, you know, off being kids. I was on golf tour playing. And, you know, I don't know if anybody else in in the audience has had this experience, but I was one of those ones where, you know, my life was planned out for me um, because that's what my father wanted. And I'm not saying I didn't like golf, but, you know, there's this whole thing called the conscious and the subconscious. And my conscious mind wanted my father's validation. And, you know, that was the only way we could really relate post the divorce from my mother. And when I uh, realized that my subconscious had a completely different response, which was, I don't want to be a PGA Tour professional golfer. I like the game and I'm very good at it and have been my whole life, but I don't love it. You got to love it to be at that level. And while I did a short attempt to turn pro, I became the biggest knucklehead in the history of life uh, because I chose to choose a, to perfect a game when I'm a type AA personality with a mild OCD and somewhat on the Asperger spectrum. Kind of makes for a frustrating Golf is really experience. not for you, if that's the case. <laughs> no, under things not to do. You have no control one. over it. It's like zero control. No. It's like the opposite of what you want. <laughs> Correct. And, and also too, it, it would be kept, and I, you know, I'm sure that people can know answer late, but at that age, it kept defining my self-esteem and my self-worth. One day I'd play fantastic. I was the greatest thing, you know, since cheese. The next day I'd play totally horrible and I was a total knuckhead loser. And so this constant emotional roller coaster ride ended up leading to a subconscious modality where two things happened. One, I had an emotional breakdown and really just kind of short circuited 
And two, I became a first time father at the ripe age of 18. So both of those were subconscious rejections and thank great architect that they happened because it changed the course of my life to where my true path really lived. And from that experience, um, I ended up becoming who I am now, Dr. Travis Fox, 31 years later, I, I went in as a real estate major, came out of, you know, psychologist, go figure. <laughs> and so long story longer, I ended up using golf for my doctoral dissertation, which was, hey, how do we, you know, use cognitive psychology, clinical hypnotherapy, and at the time, NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, to on the effects of the mental side of golf. So really what I was doing, doc, was trying to fix myself. And I was trying to figure out how do I get my head out of my rear end and get back on the golf course? Because I thought I somehow could marry these two things. The thing I'm I'm supposed to do for my father and the thing that I really want to do, which is, you know, doing self-transformation and entrepreneurial work and marry him. Yeah, that didn't work either. Great book though. And golf took me around the world from the psychology side of what I do. And now 31 years later, you know, I'm an Emmy award winner. I've I've been in more films than I can shake a stick at. And I don't mean that egoically. I'm not Brad Pitt. Please don't misinterpret that comment. But I've done more than I ever thought I would. Television, uh, I've won over, won over 45 awards. And I've been traveling the world and I've worked over a million people. And, and I love self-transformation. I've traveled the world three times doing it. And now, to answer the final part of that question, uh, we've transformed our, ourselves finally over the last couple of years now into a full tech gaming company so that every person can truly go from founder funding to fortune, but in a fully gamified way, all in the palm of their hands. And that's what we're, we're up to right now. That's fantastic. Now nice. I hear in that story, many areas where fear played a role. <laughs> played a role. So, it was a full-time yeah. apartment roommate. What right, are you talking about? Right. There were no playing roles here. <laughs> well, You're I mean, even, good. even, even in the very beginning, like when you, you know, it, cause it kind of seems like your dad was trying to live out something that maybe he wanted for himself, oh, but no. wasn't able to yeah. obtain. Let's let's go out on a limb and call vicariously living through your child. Okay, yep, card carrying okay. member, and, and it was funny because you know I, I was pretty solid at the game when I'm. By the time I was a freshman in high school, and I was captain of the golf team for three years, and. You know, I was very, I was just blessed. I was a very good athlete at everything I touched, but I already made mentally the decision. So I thought that golf was my path. And so my father and I would play on the weekends and we had this very strange, odd relationship. And when we're on the golf course, um, my father had this illusion that he was a scratch golfer. Well, realistically, he was about a 10 handicap. And for those of you who don't know golf, that means he's about 10 over par every single round. Oh my God. I'm shooting anywhere, <laughs> yeah. I'm shooting anywhere from one under, you know, one under to one over, depending on the day. And every time I tried to help my father, it always ended in a combat. And my father oh. always took this very strong positional role. And so I got in the position of not wanting to talk to him because every time I talked to him, there was some sort of rebuttal, fear number two. But that fear then became masked by an overt response mechanism of anger where my dad and I would get into it, where I finally said, dad, you know, with all due respect, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. I mean, I'm kicking your ass now for four years. I've studied this game all the way back to its history. I'm trying to help because I want you to get better. I know what I'm doing. Oh, okay. I'm wondering what's that? You know, I wonder where I got my perfectionism from, Dad. <laughs> Gee, let me think. Um, oh, and then God. ultimately, when I became Dr. Fox, oh, that that just became worse because then I could not talk to my father about anything because my father was the traditional military man, you know, left brain cog, you know, a uh, couple of master's degrees in engineering. And he was a very learned man. He was a fighter pilot. I mean, he, was, he wasn't, he was not by any means unintelligent, but he was very stuck in this ideology that it has got to be this linear track. 
Now, my mother's complete diabolically opposite. My mom is a, a model and an actress and has been her whole life. And so I had this very, I was called bi-hemispheric life. I grew up, you know, left brain, right brain from my mother, my father. And sure. I got both. But when I was with my father, and golf requires a little bit of creativity because sometimes you end up in the weirdest of places. I was very creative, but I was also very boisterous. I said, you know, why does golf have to be this solitary confinement to be a hermit who sits on a range and hit balls all day and not talk to anybody? I said, you know, if you look at the tour, the tour is based on people because if nobody yes. shows up, nobody has a job, nobody cares. Yeah. Me, it was, always tra- <laughs> it, was always, it was always this, you know, and I was, I was very, and to kind of put that finer point on it, I was very influenced by two things when I was around 13. I was influenced by P.T. Barnum because I could, I was always fascinated. Like, how did this guy form this 110 year legacy of this traveling worldwide circus when we didn't have the internet? We barely had newspapers. We didn't have phones. How the hell did he do it? How did he have the venues books? How did he do all that? Yes. Right. How did he do it? So I got fascinated (laughs) with that. And then I was like, well, God, there's there's gotta be a way to figure this out. And one of the things that, you know, his famous quote, um, which is always, you know, the most noblest of arts of making people happy. And so I went down that road for a while was trying to make people happy with my golf. Well, the only person I was trying to really make happy was my father. And that was a losing proposition. And so then I really started getting into, well, how do we get into mindset? And the first thing that really captivated me was, was Dr. Dennis Waitley's, you know, the psychology of winning. And, you know, fast forward 45 years later, when we're, I got to complete that hero's journey, when we did the sequel to The Secret, which was Beyond the Secret of the Awakening, which I co-produced and co-starred in with with, uh, all the other teachers. And I got to do it with Dr. Dennis Waitley. And it was the first time I got to really sit with him and go, hey, doc, the reason I'm in this film and the reason I have my career is because of you. And oh, wow. the most humble, the humble teacher I've ever met in my entire life at, at the time, I think he was 80, 80, 88, somewhere, give or take sharp as a tack, but turned to me and said, and said, doc, no, to be honest with you, he goes, actually, I'm the student. And he goes, you guys are far surpassing what I did and what I've ever done. In fact, he goes, to be honest with you, I'm actually becoming the student again myself. And I, I was blown away by that. I said, wow, at 88, you're now the student, but you've been the master since I can remember. I mean, far as I'm concerned, you are. And those two books affected me. Uh, are those super experiences. One was really understanding PT Barton. How do you build an audience? And what is it about? I don't know how to make people happy, doc, but I damn sure know how to make you have fun. And that became my mind <laughs> for most of my life, for my entertainment <laughs> career, with things behind me. Because I was like, you know, everyone says, you know, happiness is this state of mind. I'm like, no, it's not. It's an emotional structure. It has nothing to do with your freaking mind. But two, to make someone happy imposes the ideology that you have that much control over somebody else. You don't. You, nobody does. Heck, most people can't even make themselves happy, much less you do to somebody else. So I learned real quickly to backpedal out of that model. And my father was the shining example. Didn't matter whether, and I can remember there was one time I won a massive tournament. It was a four hole playoff. I wasn't supposed to win. I ended up winning the whole thing with the shot of one of my careers as a high school player. And I came home and he said, so how'd you do? I said, I won. He goes, great. What do you want for dinner? That was it. That That's was the it? entire response. No, that like, attaboy. No, like, yeah, uh, attaboy. Let's celebrate and, over know, here. Tell like, me about it. You know, you, know, you want to go to deep. pizza. What's, what's going on? Yeah, nothing. I'm like, I'm like, wow, dad, the passive aggressivity that you exude is overwhelming. I'm like, wow. And so I really started to understand it as I was moving into my late teens. And then when I had the breakdown, that's when, you know, I, I met my mentor and master and, and he introduced me to subconscious modalities and said, hey, let's really look at the belief structure that's running the show. Not what you think, but what's actually really running it. And then that became my life's work, which has become what's called the EC formula. 
And it's all about the sequencing that we're hypnotically programmed to believe that change is designed on. And doc, you know this, that everyone says mind, body, spirit. Yeah, but you, if you go in that sequence, you're screwed because mind can't solve itself. And that's why this self-help industry for me has been all about this quest of going, guys, first of all, change doesn't have to be arduous. I'm not saying there are gonna be dark nights of the soul, and they'll never say that. They're going to be there. There's some dungeon things we have to do in the emotional traumatic level. But why can't it be fun? Because if you're truly the hero of your journey, as everyone likes to say in the right. industry, yeah. oh, you're the, you're the hero. <laughs> really? How come I feel like a schmuck, right? He goes, okay. So if you're the hero, then rewriting and architecting your story as you're going could be based on the thematic of fun. But most themes are based on pain or fear, which is what I loved about your podcast. I'm like, let's talk about that model. Based on fear... And then we approach it from the sequential issue that says mind, body, spirit. But that makes no freaking sense because two of those things are freaking terminal. The only one that we could, would qualify as eternal or non, you know, non-destructive or, or non-any point would be spirit, however you define that. I call it architect, you call it whatever you want. But then why is it the last? If it's the thing that inhabits our body upon birth and it's the thing that leaves our body upon death, wouldn't be that be the place we go to first? And we all know that cognitively, but in the self-help industry, which is now $936 billion annually, it doesn't yeah. really talk about it. it and I'm the, I realize, I admit it, I'm, I was in the, in, the, in, the, in the Beyond the Secret film released in 2020, or 2020, excuse me. I realize I'm kind of the black sheep, but you know what? Cool. I'm glad to be the black sheep because I'm tired of hearing the same crap over and over again and watching people get frustrated because they're not really transforming themselves. They think they need to change. I'm like, there's nothing to change, but you can transform yourself. That's different because we've all done it naturally because who we were at 15, who were at 25, who were at 35. Different. Transform. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm a silver fox now. I wasn't when I was. You know, silver 19, fox, look at you. But I didn't, I didn't consciously change that or go to a right. self-help seminar right. and go, woo, woo, yeah. oh my God, I've got, I've got silver hair in my beard. I must be you know, mature now. <laughs> it, it happened by itself. But that means there's a transformative quality or an energy or vibration, mm. whichever word fancies you to change. But if we start with mind, even Einstein said that which created the problem can't solve it. So we keep approaching mindset, mindset, mindset. And I got frustrated too, because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doc. I'm focusing on my positive. This is what I want. I'm focused. This is my intention. Oh, I didn't put on my vision board because I want that purple Lamborghini and crap never happened. And I got more and more frustrated. And I realized there were two things going on. I was dichotomous and almost in some way, and at the, at the risk of making a joke, I became two people. Because I had one in my head going, I can do it, doggone it, people like you, you're great. But in my emotional traumatic level, I was pissed off and frustrated because it wasn't changing. Mm. And I felt like this was one step forward and one step back. And I'm sure most people listening can relate. And so it became my life's work and really my passion to go, something's not right here. We're missing a sequence. It's not the secret. There is no G. If you look at it, it falls out of the sky. That's not how it works, although it sounds cool for a marketing tactic. But that's not the truth. That's not what law of attraction is. That's just total hogwash. And I said that in the film, I'm like, guys, you have to go to the beautiful darkness. You have to go into the emotional traumatic level. It doesn't have to be scary, although sometimes it's there because fear has a lot of friends, right? Yes. But as your, as your podcast was so eloquently named, which is what really attracted me to the show was fearless freedom. In order to get to freedom, you must go through your fear and recognize you created it by adoption, usually in our imprint stage from, from a four pillar structure, mother, father, religion, or culture but also you can transform it. But we are so scared of our own fear, double, 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 that, you know, that by the time we still go to look at it, we run 
we go into limbic fight or flight, boom, and we're out of here. And we'll go create every distraction, no, no, sex, drugs, rock and roll, whatever, even just busy doing, or in some cases, you know, and I'll use, use myself because coming from my, my, my mother's side on the creative side, when I was younger and I was more in the, in the film and television and, and stage stuff, I became a drama king. And I got addicted to the drama because that was more interesting than going and talking to myself about the fears I had created about being myself, which I had manifested as a guardian to protect myself emotionally from my father because my father basically rejected everything about me. I look like my mom. I obviously clearly talk like my mom. I chose acting when I was nine years old, which really sent him on a tizzy. And when I said, hey, dad, I don't want to be on the PGA tour. I'm an, I'm an, I'm an idiot. I'm an asshole when I'm out there because I'm trying to perfect a game that I'll never perfect. And I said, only one guy wins every week. That means there's 155 guys that are disappointed. Yeah, they made money, but that's the point of the game is to win that, that tournament. Right. I don't find myself having fun. And if I'm, why am I going to subscribe myself? Tell me the difference, dad, between being a PGA two professional and going becoming a, a corporate executive. To me, they're identical. It's still a job and I don't want a job. I want an adventure. I want to leave a legacy. I want to follow the passions of my heart. And I did, and of course, that my relationship with my father severed and that was done. And then he, as fate would have it, um, an hour before we debuted the, um, the film uh, over at Universal Studios in uh, January, 2020, uh, my ex-wife called me and said, hey T, uh, I got some news for you. Your father passed away two weeks ago. <gasps> His wife called my ex-wife to call and tell me two weeks after the fact. Here's the better part, doc. For 25 years, one of the things that I, I invite people to always look at as we go through the, the, their questing is, hey, if you only had 30 days left to live, would you be doing anything in your life that you're doing right now? And if any part of your answer is no, then you owe it to yourself to transform right now. Yeah, absolutely. As, I, as fate would have it, Doc, literally in December of 2019, my father, unbeknownst to me until after the fact, um, had been called in and they had said, hey, you know, uh, Mr. Fox, uh, you beat kidney, uh, kidney cancer. Unfortunately, you have stage four pancreatic cancer. You have 30 oh, days left. Oh my gosh. He was gone. Wow. wow. Now, if we look at that from an energetic point of view, for those of you out there who are in the energetic space or the Reiki healing or understand, you know, chakra movement, you know, pancreatic will generally resonate a lot with some of the anger or repressed anger that he dealt with or didn't deal with. And when people say, hey, you know, I can manifest, mm. I'm like, yeah, you can, but what? are you really manifesting versus what you talk about manifesting? And that really was another wake up call to me to go, whoo, boy, did we choose the right path? Thank you. Thank you. Great architect for me not listening to my head, because if I listen to my head, I'd probably still be out on the PGA tour. I did end up coaching 10 years on the PGA tour and had a blast as a coach, but I watched a lot of players who it's a job, you know, they're out there, you know, 20 weeks of the year, Hidden balls, doing the same crap they did a year before. Yeah, they make good money, but at what price? At what price do they really make good money? Because it's, you know, you're a journeyman is what it's called on the tour. You're just out there. You know, you're not Tiger Woods. You're not Phil Nicholson. You're not Rory. You're not, you know, DJ. All the, you know, the guys that you see on, on the reel. Because as fate would have it, the PGA Tour is a lot like P.T. Barnum Circus. It's a traveling show. And each mm -hmm. week they move to a different location and everybody comes and watch these guys do these amazing things with golf balls. So when I saw these two things collide, I was like, Woo, boy, did we choose the right path for this one? Thank you, great architect. But I had at least the awakeness, and I and I use that least as the most operative word there to go, this doesn't feel right. That mm. I gotta choose my own path. And for those of you listening who have that pillar influence, 
That's the time to start really getting inside fast, not your head, because your head's going to overthink it. You're going to wizard out. You're going to become a wizard, you know, and you're going to you're going to come up with all these things that have nothing to do with the truth and really decide what the EC formula was all about. And that's what the quest ultimately came about is why don't we make this fun? Why can't we make it fun? Who said it has to be this arduous, difficult, you know, really kind of a strenuous, oh, my mom and my dad and my trauma. And I've got to, re- I mean, yes, some people like it. You know, I've done the woo-woo crap too. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, you could just have fun with this. You're going to transform anyways. I mean, it's just a theme park. At the end of the day, you're going to give your body back whether you like it or not. It's called death. And as the great Alan Watts said, life doesn't define death. Death defines life. Death is eminent. Life is a choice. So why not choose to start with the, th- the theme or thematic learning versus start with mindset? Because mindset constantly requires motivation, inspiration, daily awakening. And you're constantly battling with yourself with the 40 different voices that we all have in our head running around that we didn't even truly create. We adopted them mostly from our infant stage and our social modeling stage when we were you know, middle school and teenagers. And then we did the really cool thing, Doc, and I know you know this, is right after high school, we went, okay, I've spent 17 years mastering imagination, fun, creativity, and having a great time as a child and teenager, adolescent. Now I'm going to go without any preparedness, no idea what the hell I'm doing, and I'm going to become an adult. Shit. I have no blueprint on how to do that. I have no modeling of what that means, bar my imprint of what I see from mother, father pillar. And that doesn't necessarily mean your mother, father, but those type of figures in your life. Mm -hmm. And if you don't really have a blueprint to become adult, you get indoctrinated into a fun little school called the school of hard knocks and yeah. you get knocked around 10, 20, 30, maybe your whole life seeking to beat your head against the wall, hoping to become a door or in the dark room, seeking to find this light switch under the ideology of, well, doc, you need to become enlightened. You need to become this enlightened creature. <laughs> You're already freaking enlightened. You've always been enlightened. The, the, the trick is we've hypnotized ourselves to believe that we're not because we're taught to master fun, to master imagination as children. That mastership is innate, natural for every single one of us. What is not innate is we shave the edges off and we take the misfit that we were labeled as a geek, a dork, a band, an athlete, or whatever category you were popped into. And you start altering yourself, subconscious modeling, to fit in. And that's the beginning of the end of the true mastership in you until you have some moment, some awareness where you finally go, this is not the life I want. This is not really me. This is me acting. Now, at least I got paid to act, you know, when I was doing acting, but how many of us act every single day? Oh man, I'm super positive. Really? Let's pull back your dungeon and see what's going on because within three seconds, we can really see what your thematic sequence is and there's no judgment in it, but Hey, is that really you? Cause at that point you're fighting yourself and guess what? You know, every nasty, dirty trick that you've ever created. So you ain't going to outsmart you. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> so that, you know, that became the life work. Yeah. So there you go. That, that, that's kind of a longer answer to the first question. Here we go. Back to you. No, I, I love it. It's great. This is fantastic. Thanks. You know, it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 so funny that you say that, that, you know, like it sounds like you your gut told you that this wasn't the right move for you. And then you actually listen to your gut, which I think that, like you said, the limbic brain does jump in often whenever we try to listen to our gut. Because usually when we try to do that, it's usually a path that is not well-traveled <laughs> that you're taking. But Doc, but that's that, the best that's, path. But, that, but that, that is the path that's most traveled. Go all the way back to Socrates and Plato and Gandhi, Abraham Lincoln, all the great teachers that we hail as great 
archetype teachers throughout history, they've all said the same thing. It's not new. They've all said, yes, as a man thinketh, so he is. Yeah, but the as he thinketh part is the part that they left out because back then their language skills wasn't necessarily developed in this space. And I don't mean English. I mean, how we talk this about as a patternistic point of view. It's the emotion that drives us. I mean, let's go all the way back to the, Egypt, the Egyptians. I've been to Egypt multiple times. You know why I go there? Because the pharaohs had figured out, or at least their medicine men had, when they did the embalming, they pulled the brain out through the nose. That ought to tell you how important they thought brain was for Pharaoh. Then they took all the organs out, leaving one, the heart, because they knew that that's what led the Pharaoh in this life. And that was what's going to lead the Pharaoh in the afterlife. Well, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but they built a pretty damn good civilization that has left a legacy that is still standing to this day. So maybe, just maybe, they've got some wisdom that we chose to forget. What if we just revive that? Because it's not about you becoming enlightened, which is to me is such, such a travesty. And by the way, if you became fully enlightened, you'd be bright. Then you'd be blinded by the bloody light and you'd have no balance because half the universe is light and dark. But we've categorized that in our humanistic ego as good and bad, good versus evil, light versus dark. I'm like, really? Okay, let's play. Let's have some fun. Doc and Doc are going to have a conversation with all of you listening to the show. I'm just really curious then, if dark is so bad, and it's this evil thing, then how can we go out to dinner in the evening? And by candlelight, smaller light, more dark. How can we go dancing in clubs? And I'm not even talking about just, I'm just talking about ballroom dancing. We do it at night. How can we go to our bedroom and turn the lights off to make love more often than not? Not always, some of us like it in the light, but just to save it out there. How come then we do all these things in the dark? We're only doing it for one or two reasons. Either A, we're hiding from our true self being authentically seen and we can mask it in the dark. Or B, that's where the truth lives, and we're just too damn scared to go look at it. Either way, it's still where the truth lives. Because even, I mean, pick a, the a theology. Pick one. I don't care. You know, from Christ to Allah to Buddha, every one of them had to go through the temptation of darkness or the beautiful darkness to arrive at their truest self, which means they're aware of their darkness. You're aware of your anger. You're aware of your barbarianism. You're aware of your vampiric self. You're aware of your necromancer that can't let go of the past. You're aware of the part of you that doesn't want to grow up. You're aware that you're a dictator or you're a maleficent. You're aware that you're a fire-breathing dragon that just burns shit down because you just feel like doing it. It doesn't mean that's who you are. It means it's who you can be. It's a potential. And if you're aware of it, then, then it's not a limbic reaction, fight or flight, where it overtakes you. And all of a sudden now we say things, do things that we don't really want to intended, but that's who we're being at the moment. And the light is equally as valuable. The night in ourselves, you know, the, the source for the king, the queen, the great healer that we can all become. And we've all been told we can heal. So to truly know ourselves, we have to be able to look at both sides. But we've been so categorized and so hypnotized to believe. And I'm not saying there aren't things in the world that are painful that are ridiculous. War is one of the most prolific ones. Starvation is yes, another yeah. one. You know, all of these things are true travesties. But if we didn't have some of them, and I'm not making light in any way, shape, or form, but if we didn't have some of those travesties, we'd have no clue what enlightenment really looks like or what love could really look like because we need that balance. Because if you look at the, the, the Tao between the light and the dark, there's a little spot of either side. And you start to realize we're all a little bit light and we're all a little bit dark. How do I know that? Because we live in the same solar system. We're the only people in the freaking neighborhood that bought a house. It's called Earth. Everybody else left the neighborhood. Even Mars said, screw it. We're out of here. We're going to another solar system, wherever the heck that is. But if you look at it, the only light that we actually have is the sun itself in our solar system. And yet, between that light source and where we are on Earth, we have night and day. We have darkness. But we've so vilified 
darkness. And yet that's where the truth of who we really are as doc. I know you know that because in order to become, become freedom, you have to face your fear. It doesn't mean you're going to eradicate it, but it does mean you're going to let it out of the dungeon and stop holding it hostage and trying to stuff it down through compression, suppression, and oppression. And isn't that really the quest we're all on is to rescue ourselves from mediocrity? I mean, let's cut the crap. Isn't that the quest we're all really on to live a, an amazing legacy life, however long that may be, and enjoy the ride of this theme park called Earth. Everything else is a bloody story, man. It's a story. And if you're not equipped it on how to architect your mind, conscious, subconscious, or emotional traumatic level, and ultimately get down to the architect, well, then aren't you subject to the whims of a man-made mind, your own? And that all starts with when we're back in our educational structure because we spent years mastering imagination and fun. We didn't have limits back then. Heck, we didn't even know what fear was. We had to learn fear. We had to learn fear as a mechanism. We didn't have it. And we had our natural fight or flight from our you know, reptilian sequencing. Well, let's be candid. We all touched the stove, even though our parents told us not to. Of course. To figure yes. Out I put your finger hot. in the outlet. Yeah. Your finger in the, ah, the outlet. Put yeah. your finger in the mm -hmm. outlet, right? Or, yep. get, you know, you're going to get run over by a car. Don't stand behind it. I got hit by the car. Duh. I told you not to. But we do that because we don't have a frame of reference. We have to learn it. But what problem is we learned it so well and so intensely in the rebukes that we got in the effort of our own parents' fear, our own authoritarian figure's fear, that we double slammed it. Oh my God, I'm bad. That was my fault. I did that. No, you're just a curious kid. You don't know what the hell electricity is and you dang sure don't know what that stove is. Even when mom and dad say, don't touch it. If you look at the psychodynamics of that sentence, the conscious mind deletes the word don't. So what did you actually hear subconsciously? Touch the stove. And we mm -hmm. do. And then we get yelled at for doing <laughs> what we were told and we get totally conflicting messages. And then we wonder why we're all nuts. I'm like, okay, so <laughs> if you can look at it from that point of view, which isn't hard to do, it's a one step, just shift to the right and look at it. Then it stands to reason, puns intended, you can re-architect your life. We just haven't given people the blueprint to do it. And that's exactly what we've done. It's what we've been doing for 31 years, but now we've done it in a, in a gamified way where we've said, hey, go build your life, build your business online or offline, entrepreneur, CEO, doesn't matter, but also transform you and your company culture and your sales and we'll show you how to do it all in a gamified way. But it's done in a way that we move the theme. Because if we don't move the thematic of how we're moving, you ain't ever going to change. You're just going to kind of keep doing this one foot forward, one foot back. I know. I've done it too. And when you get to that sequence, you go, crap, there's got to be something deeper. And when you hear that thought, people, when you feel that feeling of that thought simultaneously and the duality of that, listen. That is your own, literally your own spirit going, Wide awake, kid, we've been hypnotizing ourselves for so long that we actually believe our own BS because we're all that good. The problem is right. we yeah. were never taught how to do it. We just kind of did it. So our goal is what if we showed a way that was fully gamified, fun, but literally transforming it, and it all feels like it's fantasy until it just shows up in your reality. But isn't that what manifestation really is? Just yeah. saying, have fun with it. And then you get to experience the freedom of change, the freedom of transformation, the freedom of exploration, because you come, you become thematically anchored to curiosity, which by the way, you were a master of when you were a kid, you yeah. put it away because your curiosity got you in trouble. you got you rebuked. It got you in harm's way. And so we shave our curiosity off and we diminish over time, which is when we see some of our senior citizens, as they start to age, they get diminished. Their curiosity goes away. But think about that. Isn't the curiosity really the flame of life? 
That's yeah. what makes it fun. Because if you knew everything, then what the hell are you doing on the planet? Punch your ticket, you're out of here. Go to the next, go to the next gig, whatever that is for you. But if we really have fun with this, you can transform your business, you can transform your body, you can transform you, and your mind is the last thing that goes because it's waiting for the programmial sequencing. It's not the first line of defense, it's the last. And the self-help industry has kept us. I know I was a part of it too, so I hold myself in contempt. I get it. But what if we actually change it? And that's been the results we've been doing now in the gamified way, because let's be honest, gaming represents the number one thing we all do on our phones and we all do on our computers. How do I know that? Data. Real simple. Just look it up. We play games. Why? Because we're bored out of our mind. Literally, puns intended. Well, how can you be bored with life? because the alternative sucks. <laughs> it's, called, it's called death right so when right. you start looking at some of the games we play with ourselves we have to realize we are the mad scientist who is frank has the frankenstein experiment at the exact same time our scientist is trying to figure out how to transform ourselves so we can become the success and have clout and i've got four billion followers and somebody believes that i'm valid because i gave value which by the way is the worst thing you could ever say please don't say that on social media people you're already valuable you're on the bloody planet that's enough this whole thing, if you have to give value, give value has become such a misnomer. And it's so sad because people are going, but I don't know what to say. I don't have any value. Uh -huh. I don't know my passion or purpose. We're watching people just crush under uh -huh. this weight of you've got to give value. Okay, be you. Your story is valuable enough because you're the only one that took that story. Yep. That's what makes it the road yep. less traveled. It's your <laughs> road. On yep. my road, we've traveled similar roads, no doubt. But at the end of the day, each one of us is our own, and I'll use a, a little a pop psych fun term. We're all, we're all our own individual NFT. Mm -hmm. We're all our own yes. individual number on the blockchain. So just be you, man. But mm -hmm. the fear, back to where we started again, is the number one inhibitor because we're so afraid. And I was too. I changed my life completely. I'm in better shape now. I'm happier than I've ever been. I'm more emotionally stable than I've ever been. I'm in a wonderful relationship. We work day to get day to day. She's actually the CEO of the company. I'm not. And we have this massive company that we run every single day. And we generally, 99% of the time, we have fun. Why? Because we started to realize thematically, what else is there? I mean, you could be a schmuck. I've done that. You could yell and scream, done that too. I could get worried and stress. Oh, a card carrying member of that one, right? Oh, I can study about what it should be, kind of would be. Da, da, da. Meanwhile, while you're doing all that stuff, you're future projecting from a conscious mind that has zero power to truly transform your life. It is the ultimate form of mental masturbation. Truly, you're just messing with your own head. But if you can mess with your own head that way, it stands to reason with a blueprint of change, transformation that's built in fun in a gamified way, you can transform anything. Now, all of a sudden, you become like the creator from whomever you believe in. Whatever your theology structure is, you become that creator. Because we're all told we can do it. We just don't believe it anymore. But as kids, we believed it innately. We didn't yes. have to be told, you need to learn how to use your imagination. You need to learn how to go play. You don't have to tell me, squat. The door's there. I'm gone. I'm out there playing, imagining. I'm $6 million, man. I'm whatever the heck I would wanted to be. There was no, well, gee, doc, you know, um. I don't, I'm not sure what the character development is and what my motivation is. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to play this game. I mean, should I be more like demure or should I be like boisterous? How should we play together as seven-year-old kids? Right. <laughs> kid that's having that conversation ever. And I will go like, wow, this kid's the anomaly. We never said that. We went in fearlessly and we yes. were free. 
And ever since then, we've been slowly walking ourselves from out here as freedom crusaders all the way down to imprisoning ourselves in our own dungeon and then yeah. wondering why we can't get yeah. transformed. That's yep. what this what really intrigued me about your show. I was like, finally, someone's putting the words together in a fun way. I'm like, yeah, fearless freedom. Because when you're free, it doesn't mean you're not going to have fear. It just means you're not going to engage with it. You're not right. going to transform it. Yeah. Right. And there are, and there are bona fide fears. Yes. Jumping off a 3000 foot cliff without a parachute. Well, fears, fears. Yes, you should. Any yeah. fear that's going to be cause bodily harm. I, I, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Or another one or another person. Harm. Any of those sequences totally get, but when we're scared to get in front of talk in front of people. Why? And yet it's still the number one fear. And if you're going to yeah, be, it was business, my fear. <laughs> yeah. well, you know, and of course for me, I'm the complete reverse. I've been on stage since I was nine years old. So to me, and you can see some of the pictures behind me, I'm, I'm more comfortable in front of 10,000 people. I've had to learn the reverse. I've had to learn to be comfortable in one-on-one -on -one conversations because on stage, even though you're in front of thousands of people, you can still hide behind the microphone. It's a very safe place. But for the most people, it's the reverse. So yeah. again, maybe I'm Benjamin Button. I'm not quite sure because I'm, I'm, I'm getting younger as I chronologically get older. I'm like, well, why can't, why do you have to get older and slow down? The hell would you want to do that for? You're going to slow down when you're dead, whether you like it or not. It's the ultimate it's slowing. You're, kind of, <laughs> you're, you're at zero. Yeah, you're at zero miles per hour. Why not enjoy the entire experience? Because if we truly are, and let's let's talk about all of the the pop psych out there and the enlightenment movement that says you've got to be in the now, bro. You've got to be in the now. Okay, your conscious mind isn't built that way. It's a past-oriented thing and a future-oriented thing. It doesn't exist in the now. It consciously wanders. Even now, as you're listening to me, Doc, and paying attention, your mind's wandered off to 14 other things, and you have no idea where the crap that came from because the conscious mind does that. And it's not a bad thing. We all do it. Even people listening to the show, we've wandered off. But why are we teaching people in education? Why are we teaching our young kids how to manage themselves, how to transform themselves with a blueprint to do it? Isn't that education? Otherwise, we come out educatedly intelligent and life stupid. So again, now you got to be an adult. You're 18 years old. You've graduated high school. You're supposed to be in high school and yet you're dumb as a brick. Why? Because I don't know how to negotiate a lease. I don't know how to buy a car. I don't even know how to register for the, the draft. What the hell am I doing? But isn't that part of the education what we used to do when we were in more tribal civil, civilizations where there was a right of initiation? Men trained young men, women trained young women and guided them through that initiative rights. You know, and you still have that in the Jewish community called a bar mitzvah as an example, but still we're not training, we're not teaching our kids educationally how to manage the single longest relationship they're ever going to have in this life. And that's with themselves. And to me, that's the ultimate travesty. And so many lives have been missed and part of my own on being Dr. Fox, because that's how Dr. Fox was supposed to be. I'm supposed to be, you know, I've got all the answers. I'm very calm and I'm full of crap. I'm none of the above. I don't have all the answers. Otherwise, I wouldn't be on the planet. I'm a big dork and I'm goof and I'm a ham. I'm used to being on stage and I love playing. Well, that, that's not very doctorly of you. I'm like, okay. And I went to my mentor about this and I said, hey, doc, I've had some of this feedback, you know, that I'm too intense or I'm too emotional. I'm too fun. I'm like, I don't know, too compared to what? I'm not sure, but their image what this is supposed to be. And he goes, I'm really curious. He goes, hey, Trav, have you ever looked up the etymology of the word doctor? No. Go do that. So I went and tracked it up, looked down the word, and it really derives from the Latin word that means teacher. So if doc, if you and I are eloquent enough and honored enough to be called teacher of anything, damn, I'm in. Otherwise, we're doctors are practicing. We're practicing all the time because it's an experiment. Life is an experimented adventure. 
where did that spirit go in you, those of you who are listening to the show, and ask yourself, are you literally encumbered and married to fear, or are you married to your freedom? And then, are you, my favorite one, are you acting like you're free, but really masking your fear? Either way, because true freedom is a lifelong journey. You don't arrive at it and go, hey, doc, guess what? I bought this house in the neighborhood of freedom. I'm in. I'm finally in the cool kids click. No, there's always another layer. There is no such thing as arrival because you are a transformative, ever-evolving creature. The only constant in you is that you're going to transform one day, whether you like it or not, commonly called death. In the interim, you can transform as much as you want because the ultimate objective for all of us is to experience a life and leave the legacy and not, as the great Wayne Dyer used to say, stop, don't die with your music still in you. Spread it out, let it go. Because holding on does nothing. There's no 401k here. There's no Roth IRA. There's no, hey, you played the game really well, doc. Now that you're dead, we're going to give you a second bonus life because you get an ad life because you did a great job. To hogwash, it doesn't exist. So what are we waiting for? And that's where we ask everybody to start. If you have 30 days left to live, would you be doing anything you're doing right now? And if your answer is no, and most, doubted, or most undoubtedly it is, all of us have places of our lives we want to improve. We want more success. We want more freedom. We want bigger love and more passion. We want to travel the world. We want to be a person of influence. Whatever it is your desires are and then any above, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Now, you, now, this is where we're going to talk about mindset versus heart set as an example. Mindset will give you all the reasons you can't do it. Well, you know, I got to pay the bills, doc. I've got kids to feed now. If I quit my job, I'm going to lose my house and blah, 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 blah. Well, first of all, you don't own your damn house. It's called a mortgage. So cut the crap. That's an illusion. You don't own it because if you don't make the payments, they take it. So you don't own it unless your house is paid off. Same thing with your car. So you're really working for all of these things to create this life that supposedly gives you freedom. But the truth is subconsciously, there's nothing free about it. You're an indentured servant, just like we've all been. And that, my friends, is where the illusion of freedom actually starts to mask our fear. And that's when we get in trouble because we're afraid to ask the question, hey doc, you know what? What if we, what if we said, screw this? We're gonna get the kids out of school. We're gonna get rid of the house. We're gonna get rid of the cars. And we're gonna go live in Costa Rica in a hut and go experience life and give the kids the education the old way, which is called immersion, like life experience or not. And then watch how your head reacts, watch. And you'll notice it's a reaction. And then if you're, if you're truly courageous enough, and it does take courage, family, are you willing to jump into your heart and go, damn, that sounds like a hell of a good time. I always wanted to be Swiss Family Robinson. I thought that was dope. And then you start to see where your head is truly running the show and why mindset being the first point of attack to transform your life is truly like beating your head against a wall and expecting it to become a door. Mm. Hey, it's Dr. G, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. 
Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. Yeah, it's just funny that you mentioned that whole thing about, uh, you know, just like picking up a family and moving because that's exactly what we did. <laughs> right? Same here. Transform- oh, my gosh. It is tra- very and, transformative. And- it's very much yeah. so. <laughs> it, it, you know why? Because we're present now. Because we don't have it all figured out. We don't have our daily routine of get up and go to coffee and go to the gym and go to work and blah, pick up the kids. <laughs> Tell you what, throw your kids in the freaking jungle for 20 minutes. And I guarantee to you, they'll figure out what to do. They'll play. Oh, sure. They'll be yeah, like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right? They'll remind <laughs> you what well, they'll, they, their kids will remind us what we forgot when we decided to become adults and try to fit into this societal world that doesn't have a fit in place anyways. Because how the hell do you fit into a world that's not designed to fit in? It makes no sense. And yet when you hear it, we all go, dude, that makes so much sense, bro. I so get you. And I'm like, great. What's your choice? Well, you know, I got to pay the whole, I can't, I just can't get up and leave. You know, I got this responsibility. I'm like, really? You're that important. The world's going to stop revolving. If you don't show up to your job, maybe you haven't been around for the last two years. This whole great resignation has clearly proved that guess what? We can work remotely. We're having conversations now remotely. We can do it. So then you ask yourself, (laughs) are you really fearless or are you just full of crap? Either way, there's no judgment in it, but at least have the courage to look at yourself and call yourself out. Because before we can be the king and queen of our own life, we must have mastery of self. We have the discipline to go, this is what I really want. And damn the masks, I'm going. Because at the end of the day, we all end up the same, broken dead. That's it. The question is, did you leave the legacy behind? Did you truly live all out? Again, that's a lifelong journey. That's what makes it exciting. And again, we all hear these euphemisms and we hear the isms. But living it as a completely different experience like you did, Doc, and I honor that because I did the same thing. I'm like, screw this. I'm out of here. Hence, I traveled the world. And I still travel the world to this day. Me and I and all my partners, we travel because we have fun working together. And two, there's a bunch more to see. Bunch more to see. Because when the theme park closes on your life, you don't get to go, ah, they'll keep it open for 15 more minutes. I'll go back in and check out the couple of rides now that there's no line. Nope. You're out of here, kid. That's it. You're done. And I know all the listeners are going, oh, come on, Travis, that's easy for you to say. How do you know? How do you know it's easy for me to say? You don't know my whole story. The story I gave you on the front end is just the highlights of it. You don't know the highs and the lows. I don't know your highs and lows. That is going to boil down if you're the king and queen of your life. You'll choose. Regardless of what that mind says, you'll choose what your heart says. Because when you face God, however you determine what God is for your life, that's a question you're going to ask. Did I, did I do everything I was supposed to? Did I, did I leave everything behind? Did I teach my kids how to take care of themselves? Or did I curse them and damn them with the exact same thing that I picked up from my parents in my childhood, thinking I was better, thinking being the operative word? Those are some really powerful questions to ask ourselves, but damn it, we better ask them because yeah. the guarantee of You don't know how much time you have. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. There is no guarantee. The only guarantee is they're going to run out of time. That's the only guarantee. Right, right. It's a limited, limited resource. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. Oh my God. So now you got to tell, thank you for, for, for that. That was awesome. Like I love the, the journey that you took us on there. And so you have to let the tribe know how they can reach out to you. Oh, easy. There's the first way is get on the quest, download the app. Literally go to go, uh, you can go to the ultimate business quest.com, download the app. It's free. 
you get to actually start building your life and play the game. It's free for everybody in the world. In the world, do that. If you want to reach me personally, reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok. I'm on all. But if you go to Instagram and you DM me personally, I actually respond. I don't have a EA or someone over in some other freaking country who answers. I answer my own because I love people. I'm in the people business. That's the only business I know how to be in because every other business has people involved. So why not be in the people business and then figure out what makes it interesting for you? So for me, it's always been about people. I'm an, I'm addicted to that drug of watching people transform. Yes, it's a little, I know it sounds voyeuristic, but cut the crap. We're all a little bit of voyeurs in some form or another. I want to go, how'd you do it, Doc? How, how did you get up and just pick up the family and move? What the, tell me how. Right? Well, I'm a how-to guy. That's why I'm an architect. My brain goes, you know, I can see an architect, how companies need to work or how we need to reorganize this thing. It's just part of my Asperger you know, mind, but it's still driven by a heart. And, you know, when we ask those questions, then it really becomes about how do we do it? So if we give the blueprint, and I'm not saying it's this step one, step two, step three, it's the blueprint of concept that walks you through. How did I create an idea? How did we go from founder? Then how do we get our funding? How do we go to fortune? How do we create our company culture, our sales, our marketing team, but do it in a game play that everybody wants to go on an adventure. Nobody wants a job. Nobody wants to go interview with some schmuck who's sitting across the desk who's just as miserable as you are and you're both full of crap in the interview. Cut the crap. We want to go on a freaking adventure, just like you did, Doc. You're like, hey, I'm going to go move to wherever what feels right for you. If you want to go to Antarctica, go to freaking Antarctica. You want to move to Africa, go to Africa. You want to move to you know Central America, go or Asia, wherever. There's a billion beautiful places on this planet yes, big besides world. the one you've been in for the last 20 yes. years. Move your ass. <laughs> Let's go. Right? Yes. So uh, that, that's how you can reach us, but download the app. Go to ultimatebusinessquest.com or go to your Apple and Android store and look up Business Empire and you'll see the app. It's right there for free. And you can start playing your quest today. Start transforming your life and watch how that game all of a sudden you go, holy crap, my business has improved, my sales has improved, my relationship. And it's done in a fun way that you don't realize you're actually transforming life. And isn't that what we did as kids? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, we just have a bunch of science and a bunch of other things that make it more fun. Yeah, no, that's that's great. You know, so we are at that that point in the show where we have to, uh, well, not have to, but where we have a tradition where we fill in the blanks. And oh, no, um, are, you, are you ready for this? I mean, I don't know. Are you I'm ready? ready? Let's get it on. Okay. All right, cool. So the first one is, to me, fearless freedom means. Didn't we just cover that in the last 45 minutes? <laughs> I'm just being a shock. Uh, fearless freedom means, uh, that's a, let me sit on that for a second before I just give you a snap answer. Fearless freedom for me means that you are fearlessly, constantly in the pursuit of your own freedom from yourself from the freedom of your mind, from the freedom of your ideology, and the freedom of your prior programming as a, as a young child and a subconscious modeling stage commonly called teenager. Fearlessly says, I am fearlessly gonna pursue that freedom even when it scares the crap out of me. And even when someone tells me not to do it, I'm gonna follow me and I'm fearlessly gonna pursue it because freedom is truly a self-made experience. Awesome, awesome. And then the next one is, if I am fearless, I will. Oh, everything. I will everything. I'll experience everything. Right? I'm, a, I'm an everything guy. I'm like, I wish, uh, I wish, I, I hope everybody watches the video because man, that facial expression is classic. Thanks. So I'm like, you were like, like what? This is, Duh. yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, come well, on, everything. Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that what everybody answers? Is everything? I mean, I, I will, ever, I will everything. I'll experience, I'll experience everything. I mean, look, you know, a, a quick example of that is uh, when I was 48. 
couple of years back, uh, I was invited to go to Tanzania, Africa. And I was like, great. I always want to go see the Serengeti. I want to see the, you know, I want to see one of the five black rhinos before they, there was only five left on the planet. I want to see it before, I want to go. Oh, but wait, there's more. When I got there, there was, well, my partner said, hey, hey buddy, I got a, I got a thing for her. I'm like, yeah, bro, what's up? He goes, so we can't go to Uganda because they're having an Ebola breakout right now. So let's go climb Kilimanjaro. And before I had a chance to wizard my way out of it and think like, are you insane? You don't climb mountains. But you just place. climb, but you just climb uh, Kilimanjaro without any training though. I mean, that's almost yeah. like a death sentence sometimes. That would be one of those well, that you like have to like yeah. uh, take pause and really. <laughs> well, yeah. So when I, when he said, when he asked me, I, my, my heart jumped out of my mouth and said, hell yeah, let's go do that. That's a great idea. What? It's a seven tallest mountain. It's 19,341 feet. I can do that. Let's go do it. 10 seconds later, every thought in my brain was like, are you out of your freaking mind, Fox? You can you get like idea. pulmonary edema up there from like not training yeah, at altitude. altitude sickness. You can have an aneurysm. <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of crap Seriously. that goes wrong above the oxygen line. But if I, if I hadn't listened to my heart and let my mind talk me out of it, then that fearless freedom we just talked about wouldn't have existed because I fearlessly was pursuing my freedom. And I didn't realize that, you know, that, um, Mama Kilimanjaro, who's been there for a billion years. So I'm just a grain of sand passing by. So who cares what Travis Fox is doing? She's like, okay, I'm not going to move. You're going to grind this out of your system because you need to face this. Because most people think when you're climbing, you're doing a lot of talking. You're not. You're trying to breathe. <laughs> and the, the Swahili language has a, a saying up there called poli poli, which means slowly, slowly. And then you add to that one step, one breath, which is how we're all really supposed to be living anyways. But again, I'm one of those guys, I was teaching this. I, you know, I'm, I'm that guy. I've got all these letters that are supposed to say I'm supposed to be this guy. Here I'm the mountain going, how the hell do you do one step, one breath? And I had to mentally train myself to be one step, one breath. Well, in that hypnosis, all of this other stuff came up that I had, was not paying attention to. I was doing a great job of stuffing it down. My freedom came at 19,000 feet, literally 341 feet from the summit. When my partner, uh, he got uh, altitude sickness. Now this guy's climbed Everest. So I was shocked. I'm like, mm. how are you getting altitude sickness? And I made the tragic mistake of sitting down. I sat down mm. on the rock waiting. For the and that's like a big no-no. You know, don't do that. Yeah, because you have then to all keep sudden, moving. Yes. Yeah. And you got, yeah, you got to stay on your feet. You got to keep moving. I sat down. As soon as I did that, man, my brain went into overdrive. <laughs> I felt like I was panicking. Oh, no. I, I went into this whole attack and I really got to watch myself. And then I was like, what am I scared of? What, what am I panicking for? It's not like I'm not breathing. I'm still here. I got to 19,000 feet. So I'm still, there's oxygen. It's thin and it sucks and it's a little harder to breathe. Yeah, I get that. And it's cold and there's wind. There's all these other variances that I don't really like, but isn't it out of our uncomfortability where we get to find out where our freedom really lives. And when I got, when the, out of that moment, when I, when I really said, okay, and I moved back uh, you know, to my, my prefrontal cortex and said, okay, let's, let's be present for a moment. Let's get a control of our breathing and let's really breathe present again. We did the 341 feet, but when I got there, there wasn't this elation of, yay, we summited, yeah, I'm on a conquered Kilimanjaro. It was quite the opposite. It was like, shit, we're only halfway. We got to get back down. And that's something they don't tell you in the brochure. The brochure is, oh, you can go to the summit of Kilimanjaro. Yeah, that's great. But guess what? You still got to get back down. Getting back down was 10 times harder than going up. And I never would have thought that. I would have been the total ignorant person said, going down is easy, man. You just run downhill. You're breathing oxygen. Just <laughs> run. Right. What? No, no, no. no. There's Getting no running. Down sucks. <laughs> There's no running. None of that. I mean, because you know, you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
and you're exhausted. You don't realize that you're, you're dying. You're atrophying. I went up, I started the, uh, my climb at 215 pounds. I came down 190 six days later. Wow. And you just, your body shuts down. So you really get to see what your body's doing when it goes into survival mode, true survival mode, not the ones that we make up, but the one that's true survival. But when I got to the top, I realized I was halfway. So getting to the top by yourself sucks. And I, that's what changed my entire culture. When I came down from Kilimanjaro, there was this cathartic release that I, I don't even know how to put our words to articulate. My entire being cried, my entire being wept, my entire being released into Kilimanjaro and, and she held me in a beautiful way. And I realized I would never climb a mountain again by myself. And I don't mean mm -hmm. a physical mountain. I meant a company mountain. I meant a relationship mm -hmm. mountain. I meant a friendship mountain. Mm -hmm. Let's go together. Because at the end of the day, it's more if fun. someone's not witnessing your story, mm -hmm. who gives a shit? Who Didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> it's a dream. Spot on, Doc. It's a dream. It's not a dream that you get to you know tell somebody else because, again, it doesn't make sense. So it changed our entire company culture, which now here we are, you know, several years later with the quest and the quest is built on that entire ideology. You go, we go, we all go together because at the end of the day, isn't that what it's really about? We don't go, yeah, I made, I made $4 billion in that stock. Nobody knows about it. What do we do? We go to every cocktail party and tell everybody about how we made money on that stock. And they're like, oh, BS, show it to me. We don't believe you. But if you do it together, then you're experiencing yes, proof. Yeah, exactly. Not to, and that's just proof. <laughs> Isn't that what unconditional love is? Because you want to see your friends have the great experience yes. too. And what did you experience? We all had the same story. Went up to Kilimanjaro together. But how we got up there, each of us had a different story, a different sure. experience. And you get to learn from that. Isn't that seeing God in everybody? And that's what transformed me. And it was Kilimanjaro that changed my life. And if I had listened to my head and talked myself out of it, because all my partners thought I was nuts. They're like, dude, you're going to die. What are you doing? You know, there's no cell phone up there. There's no service. There's no, but wait, we're going to come get you at 19,000 feet. You die. Right. It. It's over. Yes. Done. Get yeah. over it, kid. You know, there is no 911. So it's a really powerful thing. So to that, I think that that to me, at least my experience, like all of you listening, you be the judge of your own life or even mine. Knock yourself out. That's fearless freedom. You're fearlessly chasing the freedom because death is eminent anyways to say, well, I might get hurt. Duh. But at least you're living. You know, you're not letting your music die within you. And if I hadn't gone on that journey, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you today. I'd still be back doing the same things that I was doing. I had a great life, very successful, had all the toys, but inside there was some part of me that was still missing, that was still not unlocked yet, where I wasn't free, which is what I loved about your show. When I saw the title, I went, that's someone who's really on the path. I'm, I'm going to go hang out with her because it was like, hey, isn't freedom what we're all really chasing? And here's the irony. We're the ones that put ourselves in jail. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's truth so right. much, 100%. And so the last one, yeah, oh, wow. totally, yeah. There's one more. Wait, oh. Yeah, this is the last one. It's the last one. It's the last one. Okay. The last one is um, my battle cry is. Oh, quest on. Quest All right. on. All right. Quest on. Get on your quest and go for it because everybody wants to go on a quest. How do I know that? Because movies like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and all of these epic oh, yeah. adventures, oh, yeah. we love them. Why? Because we're immersed in a fantasy world where we can go get lost in the characters. We can explore ourselves emotionally and we're too chicken shit to do it in our own real life. Quest on and become the hero of your own life. Go download the app. Start with that as an example. It's free. So don't tell me you don't have time and don't tell me you can't afford it. We designed it for every single person on the planet to go quest quest on that's my that's my battle cry love it well thank Thanks. you so much for uh joining us here 
um, the Phyllis Freeman Dr. podcast because, you know, it was fun and we had some really good conversations. So I, we thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Doc. And thanks for doing, thanks for your show being out there because these are what I believe where we really need to be in media. This is where we need to be heading. We need to have these candid conversations. We need to have fun doing it. So thanks for putting together the time. I know what it takes to put these shows together. It ain't easy. And thanks for doing it.